Uh, before we begin, there's some handouts in the back, so feel free to grab uh, any of those back there. There's a few, yeah, there's enough. Uh, I want to begin by reading a story that was actually written in the Capitol Hill Baptist Church website. And just so you know, this is the uh, website that we're using um, for the Sunday school class. There's a, there's a curriculum that the church was so gracious to provide um, for other churches to use. Um, but I want to read a story, a story that was there um, that I think is relevant to the class that we'll be going through today. Um, and and this, is, this is how it goes. It says, when I was just out of college, a dear Christian friend was struggling through a very stubborn, dark depression. And at one of the lowest points of that struggle, he called me one day to tell me that he was done and ready to end his life. As in, right that evening. I pleaded with him not to, to check into the ER, maybe to call his pastor, to pray, and I told him to read the Bible. Read the Bible, he said. That's all you ever tell me to do, and it doesn't do any good. I've been reading, I've been praying, I've been talking, and it's not helping. I'm done. Reading the Bible isn't going to help. Please, I said, open the Bible and read. It's the word of God. It changes us. Please read it. And the friend said, okay. You give me a chapter to read and I'll read it. And if it feels as cold and dead as it, as it did the last time I read it, I'm going to close my Bible, get in my car, and drive off the cliff. And I mean it. And I knew he meant it. You can't treat God that way, I said. You can't just tell him what to do. Jesus says not to put him to the test. And the friend responds, I don't think you believe what you're saying. You say that the Bible is God's word and has the power to change, but you don't really think it can help me, do you? So you want me to read it, but you also want me to do all this other stuff just in case. You're telling me what you're supposed to tell me, not what you really believe. I don't think you, I don't think you even believe the Bible any more than I do. And in that moment, I think both of us was right. Yes, this was a terrible idea. We should never decide to sin against God if he doesn't jump through the hoop that we're holding up. But at the same time, I was terrified to let the Bible be the only thing between me, my friend, and suicide. I didn't know where my friend was. I didn't know what to do. And I relented. Okay. You read through Romans 8. And then call me back. Fine. I'm going to read Romans 8. And unless something happens, this will be the last you hear from me. Click. I remember... I was walking down 7th Street at the time, just a few blocks away, and I sat down in tears, pleading with God to do something through his word, anything. Lord, speak. In your mercy, please speak. And a few minutes later, my phone rang again. Now, it was my friend, but this time he was in tears. The word that had seemed so cold for so many weeks and months had suddenly come alive at that moment. And he was alive. And his faith was alive. And that's where the, that's where the story concludes. I think, I think, uh, or, or it's obvious that this is a, a true story, probably from one of the members there at, at the church where we're getting our, our curriculum from. Uh, and when you think about it and, and uh, recognize that it is a true story, I think it, it's a testimony to the power of the Word of God. And I honestly can relate to that struggle when you are telling someone to rely on the Word of God, but in the back of your mind there's doubts there. Um, you know, even when it comes to personal interaction with someone and you're trying to counsel them through a hard struggle, there might be times you as a Christian... Um, you would recommend them to read a portion of scripture, you recommend them to read uh, a verse or read a chapter of, of the New Testament, 
but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I, I need to give him something else. I need to give him more. I need to give him some, um, some, kind, of, some kind of psychological, um, you know, word or uh, some sort of advice that would help him to get out of that dark place. And, and the least thing that you're trusting in is the word of God. Um, you know, whether it has power or not, there, there's that time where you might doubt that. But what does the Bible say? The Bible teaches that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, God's very word, and again, if you believe that God is infallible, he cannot lie, we have to trust what he says in his word, regardless of how you feel. Uh, oftentimes there's that temptation to take matters into your own hands and try to solve issues in your own ways. But the scriptures teach that faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And that's the whole summary, essentially, of today's class. Uh, that verse where we get that concept, those ideas from, is Romans ten seventeen. that faith comes by hearing. Every spark of faith is a miracle of the Spirit of God, but it's not like other miracles, because God has told us the normal way he works this miracle through the word of God. And so, yes, through the testimony of Scripture, we see, even in days old, um, that God has worked miracles in ways where he has gone um, against the natural order of things, and he would sort of break through the natural order, and you see these miraculous events happen before your eyes. Um, we see that, we see that especially in the Old Testament, and then even some in the New Testament, where God does that kind of miraculous works. But what is the normative way that God performs his miracles? And we see, um, as we understand uh, the storyline or, or progressive revelation, that the normative way that God performs his miracles in this age is through his word carried by the Holy Spirit. Now, suffering is a battle for faith, isn't it? The core of the suicidal friend's struggle in the story is this battle for faith. Can I trust that this horrible experience is God's goodness for me? Or do I need to take things into my own hands? These are questions that often trouble our faith. Another one is, is God good? Now, how do you answer yes all the time? Oftentimes we do. We're, we become mechanical as Christians and we, you know, we... We just say, yes, this is the right answer. You know, um, God is good. No matter what happens, this is good. And that, that's a good thing. But oftentimes it's hard to really believe it in the midst of suffering. In suffering, you need faith. And that's every time suffering happens to you. It requires a level of faith for you to really hold on to the truth claims of, of, of the scriptures. More than relief, you need faith. More than comfort, in the midst of that situation, you need faith. More than security, you need faith. And this is the battle, because in the midst of suffering, the thing that you think you need at that very moment is relief from that particular form of suffering that, that has come upon you. But in God's eyes, what really counts is how's your faith doing in the midst of that? And that's where you need to be um, dependent upon God, and you need to you need to ask God to um, strengthen your faith for the time of testing. Now, today's class is likely to, likely to be both an epiphany and, in a lot of ways, a disappointment. <laughs> it's disappointing because what I have to say is so unremarkable. You're struggling through the worst crisis of your life, and you come to me and say, "Hey, help me, Pastor. I'm." I'm I'm struggling. What can you give me? And I say something like, you know, read, read the Bible. <laughs> and just like that, um, you know, there can, there can be a certain kind of discouragement. Um, you know, it, there's that temptation to say, is that all you can give me? Is that all that we have as Christians is the scriptures? And this is not to downplay um, comforting words. This is not to downplay... Um, using the wisdom that God gives us to examine your situation and maybe give you some practical uh, tips on how to, how to change certain things in your life. 
But in the end of the day, what makes that permanent change, what brings that conviction into your heart that's actually going to produce real change, it's going to be coming from the Word of God. And so we should never uh, receive uh, the advice of going back to Scripture or reading a certain text in Scripture. We should never receive that as um, common and boring and not enough and insufficient. And then on the epiphany side, I hope that this class is an epiphany because of the very simplicity. (laughs) Suffering is a battle for faith. All suffering is a battle for faith, but faith is a miracle. So what hope do we have in these times of suffering that a miracle will happen? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, J.I. Packer explains, if I were the devil, one of my first aims would be to stop folks from digging into the Bible. (laughs) I should do all I could to surround it with the spiritual equivalent of pits, thorn hedges, and man traps to frighten people off. So you see that Packer's point here is that Satan's main goal is to pull you, pull you away from devotion to the Word of God. Sometimes, and I'll be honest, I'll read a part of Scripture. I'll try to read it in its context. And it still doesn't fit, at least in my mind, in the overall context. And so it just seems like a random passage that I read, and it does nothing. It just lingers in my mind, and it floats around in there, and it does nothing. And it's not till later on that that passage comes alive, and it does the work that it was intended to do. But again, as J.I. Packer says, Satan wants to do everything to get you off of any regular... Uh, feeding from the Word of God. And so don't underestimate just that regular receiving of the Word of God. And when it comes to private, private worship or private devotion, it's good to have some sort of routine to let the Word of God dwell in you. Uh, and the same goes with part- participating in the worship service. That part of this is uh, to receive the means of grace of the Word of God and never walk away from that service thinking, uh, today's sermon really didn't hit me. It just didn't do it for me. So then you, you take that and you mentally place it in the little trash bin in your brain. <laughs> Where you can say something. Uh, to your point, yeah. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 mm-hmm. a very good passage. It's exactly you know, the point there. Uh, it is at work in us, and we need to, we need to believe that. And, and the Reformers called these things the ordinary means of grace, and that's what they are. They're just ordinary means. They're not extravagant, at least in the, on the outside when you observe it. It's so, so simple and so basic, but it's extraordinary in its effect. And we just need to trust that um, the means of grace are working and they're working in us. Satan wants to distract us, get us busy, make us think that we're too hurt to turn to the word of God. And there is where the battle is already lost. Anyway, this morning we begin two weeks of the battle for faith. So it's this week and then there's a part two to this next week. Next week we'll think of what it looks like to fight for faith together in the community of a local church. But this week, today, our focus will be fighting for faith on your own independently. And to do that, we'll cover four categories of what we can do to fight for faith by ourselves in the midst of suffering. Number one, and you'll see it on the handout. Number one is simple, read the Bible. Number two, pray the Bible. Number three, remember the Bible. And number four, sing the Bible. Let's look at number one. Read the Bible. If faith comes by hearing God's word, then reading scripture is obviously important. But as Packer pointed out in in that quote, 
there are all sorts of things that get in the way, and especially during times of difficulty. All right, let's look at three things that can keep us from reading the Bible or reading well and, and what we can do about them. Number one, we need to protect against rote duty. Okay? One of the things that can really hamper our lives as Christians is when we read the Bible simply because we feel like we ought to read the Bible. Again, we need to have a good theology of what the Bible is doing in us and not just do it um, you know, where, you're, where you're separated from what you're actually doing, at least mentally. Now, don't misunderstand me. Self-discipline is a good thing. I don't always feel like reading the Bible, but I do it anyway. And I lock those hours in my day so that I can stay disciplined in reading the Bible. But disciplined is different from rote. Let's say your dentist tells you to floss your teeth each night and you do so, but you do it half-heartedly. What happens? You still get cavities. Because simply having flossing on your schedule doesn't mean you're getting anything out of it. The greatest protection against scripture or scripture reading as... um, there's a word here, perfunctory, but the greatest protection against scripture reading um, uh, in that rote kind of manner is realizing your sense of needing the word. Uh, so you get to that point in your mind, get to that point in your heart where you um, recognize your need for scripture. Uh, throughout your day, whenever you see that you're not bearing fruit or you're not walking in the spirit you feel carnal in a lot of ways blame it on the fact that you haven't been in God's word you haven't been communing with him the more you set that off in your mind make it like an alarm in your mind every time you're tripping up spiritually speaking um, ask yourself how have I been in my devotion to God's word when you when you um, put that alarm in your head you're more likely to recognize your um, lack of devotion to his word or not separating those times to be in God's word. Also, suffering can actually help you understand how much you need God's word. And, and we need to think about uh, throughout your day when you're having a hard time, as I just mentioned, um, when you see yourself being weak spiritually, um, those are just good alarms to show you your need for scripture. How does that work? One good, one good thing to do is to rewrite your job description for each day. Let's say that your adult son, I don't know if anyone here has adult sons, but let's say your adult son is walking away from the faith and making all kinds of poor choices. And it's 6 a.m., you just woke up. What's your goal for that day? At first glance, that might seem like a simple question, right? Get ready for the day, get to work, do your job well, be encouraged Uh, Be an encouragement to your friend at lunch. Go to small group. Get dinner with a friend. Hope for better news from your son. Pray for him and then you go to bed. But if God intends all things for our good, what is his goal for you today? He wants to remake you in the image of his son. He wants to increase your dependence on him. He wants to build your faith. And he will use that struggle with your son or, or just think of another struggle that you may have. Maybe it's struggle at work or struggle within your family. He will use that struggle uh, so that you would, would see your need and your dependency upon him. Now, you may be able to accomplish all your goals on your own, but they're not really accomplishing anything that will last. What about God's goals? What is he trying to do in your life? Can you accomplish them on your own? Of course not. The more you realize what lofty goals that God has for you, in the sense that he's shaping you and conforming you into the image of Christ, the more you will feel the need to be rooted in his truth and in his reality, which will lead to your feelings of desperation to get into the word. You know, all it takes is for you to see that the whole purpose of you being alive, whether you're a mother or a father or if you're single or if you are uh, a grandparent or you know wherever you are, whatever role you play in this life, the goal is that God uh, conform you into the image of Christ. And there's a lot of things that we do that we spend our energies on that really doesn't uh, have that goal in the center. 
Think about all the things that you pack your schedule with, all the plans that you have for your family, all the trips that you want to take so that you can take all the pictures and post them on social media so that you can feel fulfilled. Think about all the different things that you really spend your time on. Uh, think about all the, all the energy that you invest, your, um, that you invest in uh, because you have all these goals in your life. And then ask yourself, how does that, how does that parallel, how does that line up with the, the specific goal that God had intended for you and the reason why he created you and is, is, uh, is sustaining you uh, till this hour. If it, if it doesn't match up, if, if conformity to Christ is not at the center of the goals of your life, then you might want to rearrange some of your plans. And it's important to kind of take that in now before it's too late. The, the, the worst thing that anyone will feel is that at the end of their life, they'll look back and say, I've wasted my life. You know, and, and that realization is going to hit hard. That all the, the, the things that you planned in your youth, and then as you became a parent, all the things that you did as a parent, and then afterward when you became a grandparent or, or you're ending or you're coming to the end of your career, all the things that you did and planned for and put your energy into, you look back and you say, none of it served this key purpose, which, which is the purpose that God had intended for me. As Piper says, don't waste your life. Don't waste your, your life, your planning. It's not worth it. Keep what, the main thing always at the center one of, the, one of the best things for you to move closer to the goal that God actually has for you is to invest time in the Word. Um, one of the things that me and my wife do is both of us have like a really cheap Bible. Um, and I mean that in the way that it's bound and, you know, one of those less expensive Bibles. I don't mean that Scripture is cheap. <laughs> That's right. Well, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. It's a good good translation. All that, but physically the Bible is a is a cheaper, more affordable version. And we we have that. And we carry it. I take it to work. She uses it. She keeps it around. It's thrown on the table. It's it has all kinds of uh, uh, stains from the stuff that we eat and drink. But you know when you have like a leather Bible. You're always afraid to like bend it the wrong way or, or it looks so beautiful you don't want to open it. I'm not saying that that's your case, but um, you know, when you have a nice cheap Bible that way, um, you're more likely to bend it, open it up, write all over it, um, throw it in your bag, you take it back out, it's all beat up. But you feel that it's much more accessible and um, you can read it anywhere you go. And again, this is not telling you what to do. Um, but this is just an example of a good way to, to, um, to make reading the Bible more accessible and make reading the Bible something regular in your life. A lot of people like to spend a long time in a book. I think that's great. Um, you know, in your private uh, reading of scripture, maybe you pull out all these commentaries. But I think sometimes it's just good to read it and read it through and read it a lot and, and go through it. And then maybe next year, go through it again. Don't feel like I'm reading it, but I'm not getting it. Um, sometimes it's just good to read it and take it in. And what it does in your mind is it, um, it starts to create a, a map uh, mentally of the overall storyline of scripture. All of a sudden you gain all these categories in your head and you remember certain names and certain concepts. So that when you do hear a sermon or someone's having a conversation about scripture and you join in, you can, you can start to see certain things pop up in your, in your brain because you, you're digesting the word of God. And so I think it's just a good practical way to allow scripture to, to dwell in you. Um, but again, that's not the only way to approach uh, scripture reading. Um, but I think it's a good way to make it something regular in your life. Number two, and again, this is not uh, this is not category two. This is like a subcategory of one. 
but a, a second uh, thing to consider is to protect against busyness. Protect against busyness. If you want to read the Bible well and regularly, you need to plan. Now, for some of us in the type A category, that seems like a no-brainer. Just put it on the schedule and you'll, you'll do it. But for others, planning makes you cringe. Why not just be free and let scripture reading just happen? Right? I think that's, that's a common thing in our culture today where we elevate uh, this idea of spontaneity. Uh, I think our culture really sees being spontaneous as um, a sign of authenticity. So the more spontaneous you do things, the more uh, authentic you are or true you are because it's just kind of coming out of you. And so when you live your life elevating spontaneity, things like planning or scheduling, especially when it comes to spiritual things, seems very foreign. But let me break that idea or shatter that idea rather and tell you that um, spontaneity doing things at the moment is not a sign of authenticity. If anything, it's the opposite of that. All it is is just um, reacting or living life in a reactionary way. What often comes out of you in moments where you do things spontaneously or in moments where you just react is, is the worst of you. It's not the best of you. It's not a thought out um, expression or a thought out reaction. A lot of times when we, when we think about prayer, a lot of times we elevate um, spontaneous praying. And I think that's a, uh, spontaneous praying is a good thing. In fact, the Puritans um, really kind of brought that to the forefront. Um, you know, not relying on a sort of pre-planned or preset um, written out prayer. But they didn't do away with uh, pre-written prayers. Um, and, and it's because of the, the, the fact that being spontaneous doesn't equal um, authenticity, doesn't show the true you. Not always. So when it comes to planning things spiritually, when it comes to planning um, a, a time to read scripture, that's not empty religion. That's not uh, legalism, saying, I, I don't need to set aside an hour. That's not part of the Reformed faith. Uh, on the contrary, I think it's a, it's a good thing to discipline yourself and put, um, set, aside, set aside time for some of these uh, Christian disciplines. We also live in a world that we're very busy. Um, our phone is always buzzing. You get alerts from every app that you have. We live in a busy life, and one of the virtues, if you will, of our culture is that the busier you look, the more busier you seem, the more we need to applaud you. We need to say, wow, you, you, you are strong, and you are, um, you're excellent. You're, you're involved in everything. You're, 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 you're busy. You are someone that we should uh, look to and, and, and uh, praise. But busyness is, isn't always a good thing. Busyness can come from a pride, even. And if Satan wants to hinder a Christian, he's going to hinder him by making him a hasty Christian, a Christian that can't even stop to think, that is always living a life of reaction. He's, he, he can't stop and sit and, and meditate. He wants to make, he wants to bombard that person, that Christian, with a lot of things to do, keep him busy, so that his speech is not guarded, his mind is not guarded, he's running around pleasing everyone, and the least person that he's pleasing is God. But when life gets busy, we all succumb to the tyranny of the urgent and end up ditching what's most important. A plan serves us well because it guards what is crucial and helps us to say no to the distractions of the moment. When? When do you do these things? Well, choose the time when you are at your best. Jesus met with his father early in the morning. We see this in Mark 31. And unless there's some 
compelling reason to do the contrary, that would seem to be a good model. Maybe scripture reading in the morning. But that's not always the case. Maybe you're better in the evening. But it's, it's, it's been tested that the mornings are probably the best time. Um, but don't take that as, a, as an absolute rule. You can figure out what's, what's the good time for you to get into the word without distraction. Uh, where do you do this? You do this in a place where you're free from distractions. Uh, maybe plan with your family to separate yourself for a little bit. That would allow you to focus and spend time in scripture reading. And the, the question of what, in one sense, the question of what doesn't really matter. And, and, and the question that's being posed here is, what do you read? What do you get into? With a little knowledge of scripture, you can open up anywhere and you can profit. But protect against playing that uh, Bible roulette. You know, the uh, you just kind of let the Bible open up by the wind and it chooses a scripture verse for you. You think God is talking to you because the wind blew at that certain age. You know, avoid that kind of uh, superstition. But again, just going back, you can literally start anywhere and um, it'll connect you to... Uh, to other things, other places in Scripture that, that, that you will be edified. Subcategory number three. Again, this is still number one in the category, but this is a subcategory number three. Protect against exhaustion. Now, wonder if you've been exhausted in the Bible before. When you open it, it seems cold and dead, especially when we're in times of suffering and we feel numb to the world. It can really be hard to engage with Scripture. Now, how do we protect this? First, pray. I always recommend pray before you get into any devotion or any, any real um, you know, devotional reading of Scripture. Ask the Lord to help you. Um, and I think it's important to, to practice and keep that dependency always before you, uh, that dependency upon God as you engage His Word. So first, pray. Before you read, pray that God would open your eyes, that you would see wonderful things in his law, as it says in Psalm 119, 18. And second, the second thing to do is pray. <laughs> uh, pray through the passage you're studying, looking for things to praise God for, uh, things, that, things, to tank, things to thank him for, things to pray for, things to confess. And one of the Puritan practices was his practice of meditation where they would look at anything. I mean, they would go outside and look at literally anything that they, their eyes uh, caught, say a tree. And at that moment, they would take time to just think about that tree and allow that, that visual to uh, remind them of the goodness of God, uh, to connect those things to God the Creator, and to see the wisdom of God in that uh, part of creation, as you look at the tree, for example, or you look at the flowers, or you look at the sky. There are, there are so many ways to set your mind on things that are above, as the New Testament teaches us to do. And the Puritans were good at that. The third advice here is to pray. And so again, all, all three advices are just pray. When you finish, pray that having listened to his word, you would be changed. And, and the fourth, fourth advice to, to fight against exhaustion is to read, and read especially in times of difficulty, using someone else who has written something as a guide to, to studying scripture, something that can guide you and help you. Um, you know, there are a lot of resources that are available for you to guide you in your scripture reading. If it's hard for you to just pick a place you know, find something on the internet or find uh, a good uh, commentary. Uh, you don't have to go to the heavily academic ones, but you can find some of the smaller, e easily accessible ones. Um, maybe there are better commentaries than that one, but sometimes that small accessible commentary can at least set a, an outline for you or a guidance on how to, how to read a particular book in scripture. One thing that's good that I do is just commit to one book and make that your thing. Like this year, John is my thing. And I'm going to read John and I'm just going to take it all in. It's fun when you do that because it becomes 
this life project where you devote yourself to a particular book or even a particular theme or a motif that you see throughout scripture. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I remember as I was going through a particular book, I, I forget which one it was, but I, I, my wife would kind of point it out that when I would comment, let's say in a Sunday school class, or I'm just sitting where you are and I just comment, I raise my hand. I would always comment everything that I'm getting from that particular book and it just sounded like a, a broken record. Um, but it just goes to show that I am, I dove in and every, everything that's being said in that book is... is filling up my mind. Um, but again, that, that's, a good, uh, that's a good place to kind of start. Um, anyone else uh, have any maybe tips or ideas of where uh, you or how you approach reading scripture? Yes, sir. That's all good. Yeah. That, that's me every day. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Norman. Uh, also, your point number two says, pray the Bible. Uh, Don Whitney has written a short uh, and wonderful book yeah. called Praying the Bible. Yes. And, uh, it's one of the books that I go back to because I lose the practice of doing that. Yeah. It's great, great help. Praying yeah. the Bible by Don Whitney. Yeah, that, that is a great book. I'm glad you, you recommended that. Moving along. Um, Let's go to the second category, the second point, rather. You'll see it on your handout. It is pray the Bible. So we, we spoke about reading the Bible. Now that there's the praying of the Bible. And in Ephesians 1, Paul prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you. Why? Because if God does not open our hearts to the word of God, we can read it 100 hours a week and never see the glory of what it says and the one who gave it. And this is important because we are not uh, scientists in the sense that we are not approaching scripture as we would, you know, archaeology or sort of... Um, scientific discovery there's we there is something that we presuppose um, and again this is not to say that there isn't reason in our faith or that faith and reason need to be absolutely separated but we do presuppose at least at this at the, in this vantage point as Christians who have been born again that what we're reading when we read scripture is the very word of God so we, we should not approach scripture as some sort of scientific investigation. We should always keep in our mind that what we're reading is the word of God. And we need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We need to depend on, on that. And we all know that there are people with PhDs in the study of religion. Some who... Um, specialize in the New Testament or some who specialize in the, in the Protestant Bible and they still don't see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ they don't see it they, they are filled with doubts and their whole career is dedicated to um, disprove the Christian faith in other words we need the Spirit's guidance as we read scripture we need to um, pray that God would help us to see the connections. And I don't know if this ever happened to you, but as you read something so profound and something so um, Christ-exalting that you're filled with emotion and you're filled with uh, motivation and you're filled with just awe, that you stop and you say, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. And you stop and you pray right in the middle of your scripture reading. Um, if this has happened to you, you know firsthand that the Spirit can reveal these things to you through His Holy Word. Now, of course, 
God has given the church teachers and God has given the church pastors. God has given the church uh, men who are gifted in the word of God. And so, of course, we receive those gifts and we never want to assume that we have all the gifts. And so all we need is us in our room with our Bibles and the Holy Spirit, and that's sufficient. No, we have to, we have to also trust that God has placed you in a church, that God has placed men to uh, guide you and to help you see things that you don't normally see or you, you wouldn't normally see. But nevertheless, even in your own private devotion and even in your own private reading, you need to depend on the Holy Spirit. And this is why we need to pray. Pray uh, that God would reveal these things. We should not only read the Bible, we should pray the Bible, especially in the middle of a trial, uh, considering that this, uh, the, the topic for the Sunday school class is suffering. We need to pray, especially in the middle of the trial, pray scripture. Anytime we are meditating on scripture, it's a good practice to consider what we're reading and in response, pray. Uh, this is a, I'm going to give you a common acronym. Um, yeah, I personally haven't gone by this acronym, but it is a popular one and it might be helpful for you. Um, the acronym ACTS, right? A-C-T-S. Uh, it's a helpful acronym to remember what to pray. Uh, a, meaning, uh, A standing for adoration. It's a good way to begin your prayer. Adoring God. The C is confession. The T is for thanksgiving and the S is for supplication that's where you bring your petitions so A, adoration to adore God to, 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 to uh, express that in your prayer the second one is C, confess this is where you, you remember okay, I'm approaching God I can't pretend like I didn't do what I just did so you, you, you lay out your sins to God the T, thanksgiving, giving thanks and praising God for his grace. And then S, supplication. Then, you know, in that, in that process, you're, you're, you're mentally and spiritually prepared to go ahead and give your, your supplications, your requests, and making them known to God. Acts, A-C-T-S. Uh, so th- that's just a, a good way to, uh, to kind of model your prayers. How does this look? Um, well, one way that you can pray in this way is to pick a psalm. Right? In the psalms, God has given us models for our prayers. That's a, another, another way to pray, just looking at the psalm and seeing how the author is expressing his prayers to God. And you can read the psalm and you can put yourself in that scenario. Maybe a psalm that relates to your own struggle at the moment and you can read the psalm and you can in a sense dedicate that to God maybe um, change the um, the person or the tense of the person uh, of how the, uh, the psalm is reading and put yourself there and you pray that psalm to God as a, as a dedication or devotion to God and you're using scripture to guide that prayer and what better than to pray Holy Spirit-inspired sentiments that are captured in the psalm. A lot of people who study the psalms say that the book of Psalms captures every human emotion possible, especially considering that the psalms capture the emotions of Christ, who is himself the most holistic human being that has ever existed in the world. And so we can always go back to the psalms and say, Whatever I feel, I know I'm going to find it in the Psalms. Or, or maybe whatever I feel can be corrected by the Psalms. But nevertheless, the Psalms is a good guidance for how you ought to feel and how you can align your feelings to how God wants you to feel. And so psalm, the, praying the Psalms, reading through them, meditating them, and praying them back to God, I think is a good practice, especially when you're going through a time of trial and suffering. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end. As you notice, I never get to uh, finish the whole thing. Um, but I'd rather go at a pace where we can really digest it. So, um, so I'll end here. But I do um, recommend that you look at the other points in the handout. Maybe meditate and think through some of those things. 
Um, I want to leave maybe one or two minutes for any questions or comments. If you don't have any, that's okay too, but I'll open up the floor if you do. Will. Um, you know, as you talk about, well, I guess this is just generally the importance of, of reading the Bible, getting into the Word. Uh, as far as like giving people advice of how to deal with their life situation, um, it seems like the, the primary, rather than just saying read your Bible, like it should be like hear the Word, right. you know, hear the Word preach primarily. And then, of course, you know, like in the example you gave, mm-hmm. like you really need to read it right then and there. But, right, right. You know. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, yeah, hearing the word, um, and, and, and I, you know, I, I should say this too as well, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to downplay, again, the, um, the freedom that we should feel, um, or that we should own, own, um, in speaking to people within their context, um, allowing what you do know about scripture to give you wisdom and to shape how you're going to respond to a suffering person. And what, what, what that means is that sometimes the words that you give, uh, words of counsel that you give to someone who's suffering may not be a direct quotation from scripture, but that you have digested the word enough to the point that when you do give that counsel to that person, that you're speaking the theology of scripture. Because the theology of scripture is the scripture, right? The scripture um, and the theology of scripture are are one and the same, so we can do that, yep. So there is a free app called Five Psalms, if anybody's heard of it. Oh, no. It's basically based off of Whitney's book. Excellent. so rather than having to do the math, like, okay, it's easy when it's the 14th day of the month to know to read the 14th psalm. Mm-hmm. But then what happens when it gets larger? Yep. So they have the different numbers already set up. So you know, okay, I'm in the second, you know, whatever. You, yeah. you, you, you can check it out. It's a free Excellent. app. Excellent. And it's and called? So it automatically tells you which psalm to pray that day based off of the five. Yeah, excellent. And it's called Five Psalms? Five Psalms, yeah. Excellent. Based off of what these are. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I want to I wanna highlight Whitney's book as well. Um, uh, Donald Whitney. He has just good resources for spiritual disciplines and one particularly related to uh, praying the Bible. Anyway, yeah? Um, there's also another one that I'm highly recommended called Take Words With You. And it's essentially takes words of scriptures and uh, applies it to the Mm-hmm. And it's also 99 cents uh, for the Kindle version. Wow, that's great. Right yeah, you can't beat that. Who's the author of that one? Tim Kerr. K-E-R-R. Excellent. Brother, you were gonna, were you going to say something? Or? I didn't want to miss your hand. Did, did you raise your hand? or? Okay, I'm sorry. It's... It's one of those days I'm seeing things. It's funny, uh, that, that was the next point, which is uh, remembering the Bible. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's, um, that's something that we need to put into practice. Yep. Uh, something I find interesting is I think some people tend to separate the Bible from God. Because then they think giving them the advice of go read the Bible is like go read some book that's going to have some magical power and you know, some magical words. But the reality is going to the Bible is taking you to focus on God, yeah. which is really all that you're supposed to be getting from the Bible. So 
everything in Scripture ultimately points you to the Lord. That's right. Who He is, His attributes, and that's ultimately where you're going to find the comfort. Yes. Seeing how it shows God as love, His mercy, and all these other things. Yeah. And so I think they separate the Bible from God and just think, oh, I'm going to go read the Bible. There's going to be some special verse that just points to me and specific trial in yeah. reality is it's going to help me see God even clearer. Yeah. Which is where the benefit is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, uh, I've absolutely, I've seen that um, people sort of uh, kind of separate that and not realize that this is what's bringing you to the Lord. So that's a great, great, great point. Yep, Lawrence. And then we'll close after Lawrence, okay? I'm going to move closer. One of the things at the beginning of the class that was the point of protecting against those who we and there is, you know, for a matter of part of the But I do remember also that early on, seven years ago, one of the things you were addressing in one of the was the fact of how Satan attacks us, and you mentioned earlier. And I would say, according to your life, that room, just as you had said before, and to put it in that place, just as you tied it, at that point, because in my life, and all those other things will take it over and say, you will certainly be at the charge of that. So if I don't make it that, but then the discipline's not there, that's right, and, and it just falls away. It, it's not to be real, but absolutely. But it is standing on Absolutely. Yeah, it it's standing on your side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's the right way to think. You know, is we need to force it in our schedule, and not feel, you know, that we're doing something wrong by by forcing it in, and it feels inauthentic. But forcing it in will at least guarantee it in your schedule. And uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least it's way out of the Yes. <laughs> well, uh, brothers and sisters, let me go ahead and close this out in prayer, and thank you all. Our Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to just meditate and think through some of these disciplines. Um, thank you for reminding us the need to depend on your word. Uh, as we go through trials and suffering, uh, we need to depend on your means of grace and trust that even though we don't feel at the moment sometimes the effect of the word of God as we read it or as we hear it, we know that it's taking effect. We have the trust that uh, you are working it in us for your purposes. And so help us to trust your word, regardless of how we feel. Give us strength as we go through our trials and help us to remember uh, how sweet your word is to our souls. We know that only your spirit can cause those affections and those desires to want your word at that level that we thirst and we pant for your word to be tasted and to be received by us. And so, Lord, make this a reality in our hearts and in our minds and help us to be disciplined, to guard ourselves from the busy world that we live in so that in, in the midst of trials and the day of testing, we would be found faithful. We know this is only possible through Jesus Christ and by your spirit. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.